Hey everyone, this is Tiffany. And this is George. Welcome to our podcast, Richness of the Word. Today we're continuing our study of Esther by now looking at Esther 2, in which we are now going to be introduced to the two main characters of this book, Mordecai and Esther. Now, between chapters 1 and 2, it doesn't say this in the book, but we do know from historians that it was during this time that Persia has its failed war with Greece that includes, you know, the Battle of Thermopylae and Sardis and, and, and those battles. And so I'm sure the king returns from this invasion quite upset, very disappointed, and not only that, but... It kind of appears in verse 1 that uh, the king of Persia kind of starts to regret his decision about Vashti, uh, maybe misses her a little bit. But at the same time, it's been emphasized already, the law of the Persians, you don't contradict this law. You don't go back on it. You fulfill this law. Even the king right, has to follow the laws once it's been made into law in Persia. And that's important to remember as we continue in this story. But it does look like the advisors then are like, oh, we need to cheer this king up. We got an idea. <laughs> How about you get a new queen? You know, let's, let's bring in, uh, I believe it was some 400 virgins from all over the kingdom, the most beautiful women in the whole, basically the known world, right, are all going to be brought in. And you're going to have like a beauty contest, basically, uh, for the king to decide on who his queen's going to be. And of course, he even says, right, this, this pleased the king. <laughs> so he's, he's being cheered up now by his uh, advisors. But really, once again, chapter two kind of reminds us of the evil of this Persian kingdom, and really just the kingdom of men, right? Whereas before, in chapter one, you know, all this emphasis on looks and, and everything, and even this, this low value of human life. In chapter one, it's kind of, we kind of laugh at them. Chapter two is very much like we, we are in horror of it. Right, so first, these 400 plus women around about are being summoned it's it doesn't matter really how old they are they could be what 15 years old right a lot of these women are are, yeah teenagers or just barely teenagers right and they're being kind of taken away from their parents and their parents are like oh well you have to go to the it's the king and you need to go because he could help our family you know yes in verse eight like in the esv it says gathered uh, Mm -hmm. but it's the, the hebrew word it's same word for taken these women are snatched Right, so that's not that's not as beautiful as what they're what he sees it as, you know. Um, and then after they're taken from their homes, a lot of them who probably don't even want to go because they are still children, <laughs> they are having to be prepared for an entire year. And this blows my mind because me, I, I take like twenty minutes to get ready to go anywhere. I'm not a morning person to do anything, so the fact that they're having to do something for a period of an entire year just to see this guy for what? One night. One night 
To me, it's a little bit ridiculous, but I digress. <laughs> so they have to do a beautifying treatment, I guess you could say, um, of six months of myrrh oil and mm-hmm. six months with spices and ointments. And it says four women. So I guess there's different myrrh spices, <laughs> myrrh oil for men. <laughs> <laughs> I Maybe. don't know. I don't know. But Oil for men. <laughs> myrrh, myrrh for men. <laughs> myrrh for men. Uh. So they end up going into the the king's palace after they've bathed mm-hmm. themselves in these things for a year, and then he decides from there after they've spent the night, mm-hmm. um, if he wants to see them again. And it's. And they even use the word, right, uh, in verse 13, they went into the king in this way. And this is actually a, a biblical euphemism. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the king is sleeping with every one of these women. Um, and, yeah, what, what ends up happening is these women, uh, it's basically one of three outcomes, She's either, yeah. if, if she doesn't please the king, which is going to be most of them, they are going to be basically banished to the harem where she gets to live and be cared for all of her life. But at the same time, she never uh, will see the king again. She will never, never see anybody again. Yeah, she's she's, bas- in this she's room, a widow. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. And then the next step up, well, you might be one of his concubines who he might occasionally call in. Um, Slightly better, I guess, but you're still going to stay in the harem uh, mm-hmm. until the king, whenever he chooses to bring you in uh, for another night. Mm-hmm. Or you might be like one of like one, two, maybe even three women who he does really favor, right? Who he ends up uh, making his queen. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's just this, again, another emphasis on looks from the Persian Empire, right? Verse seven, really the you know the the reason why Esther gets picked and why she advances because it says in verse seven she had a beautiful figure and was lovely to look at. Right, it was right. all of her outward appearance, nothing about who she was as a person, her personality. Absolutely. Um, Mordecai even tells her before she even goes to meet the king to not tell her pretty much anything about herself. You know that yeah. she's Jewish. So, and it, it, yeah, it's just this, women are treated as sex objects mm-hmm. in Persia and, and by the Persian king. Uh, and, and you see this kingdom just uses these women. It uses people. I mean, you might think like, oh, you know, just, it's not just the women, right? You see in, in chapter two and really throughout the book of Esther, there's all these eunuchs. Mm-hmm. These are boys that are also taken and turned into eunuchs to serve the king. Um, so it, it's it's men and women that are being used. And again, we are supposed to be horrified by Persia. And really, again, just the kingdom of man, right? Any kingdom, government, nation that is not solely focused on glorifying God, which is pretty much all of them, right? Instead, is going to be focused on serving self. Well, and, and you could also, others. you could even apply that to America, 
Absolutely. And right now with, I mean, you can see in movies that are driven towards men, there's women that are sexualized in them. And you can see in even movies towards women, you know, we we can romanticize over whomever that male character is in there. But then, you know, they also have to throw in this really provocative scene in case you have your husband with you. And so it's not just during this time. It's something that we have to make sure that we're aware of even now and Mm -hmm. not and not perversing ourselves in the in that nature absolutely so then this chapter two right brings us to it introduces us to mordecai and esther who are uh hebrews they're jews they're living in susa Mm -hmm. so this again this is uh many years after persia has conquered the babylonian empire ended the Babylonian exile of the Israelites and have even given the Israelites permission to return to Israel where they were originally taken from by Babylon. And in fact, uh, verses like Isaiah 48, 20, even God commands the people of Israel to return to their homeland. But here it seems, right, Mordecai and Esther, um, among others, are very content to remain in Susa or, or spread throughout the empire and basically remain in exile. And, and again, very important to remember moving forward that that's what they've chosen to do. Um, so we have Mordecai. Uh, his name literally means worshiper of Marduk, which was a Babylonian god. Uh, Esther is deriv- a derivative of Ishtar, which is a Babylonian goddess. That being said, it is common for Jewish exiles to receive and use pagan names mm-hmm. during this time. I mean, Daniel and, uh, and his friends uh, also were given these names. Now, Mordecai, we see also he is a Benjaminite. He is mm-hmm. a descendant of the same family that Saul, the king of Israel, came from. And this, again, is going to be important to remember when we get to chapter 3 and we get yes. introduced to the villain uh, Haman. But we have Mordecai, right? And Esther, the Jewish, and, and as Tiffany already said, Mordecai tells Esther not to reveal her race and her religion. Uh, the book doesn't say why. We can probably assume it has to do with just, there is hostility in the Persian Empire towards God's people. I mean, even if you look in chapter 9, it shows that there's going to be, there's at least 76,000 people in the Persian Empire who were considered enemies of the Jews. So there's got to be at least that, that I would say it's safe to assume that's why. Nevertheless, so you can see how Mordecai, you know, Mordecai has kind of raised Esther. He's, he's like a father. And as any father, he's going to care for her well-being, right? Mm-hmm. But that being said, right, this Esther hiding her Jewish identity is the exact opposite of what Daniel and his friends did in the Babylonian exile in the book of Daniel, right? They were very open and honest about how they were Hebrews Mm -hmm. and who they worshiped. And it got them in trouble in multiple occasions, right? To the point where Daniel, you know, was thrown to the lion's den. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into the furnace, right? There was Mm -hmm. attempts on their life because of this. Whereas Esther plays it safe, keeps it hidden, 
And she ends up becoming queen <laughs> instead. You know, two very different um, right. paths here. But, right, this would lead to Esther breaking much of the law. If she's trying to keep everything under wraps, you know, unlike Dana and them, she would have eaten food that the Persians gave her that God's Old Testament law said don't eat. Right. She would have drank, lived, and even worshipped like a Persian and not like mm-hmm. a Jew. And, of course, Esther, we know, further disobeys God by... Sleeping with a man outside of marriage, mm-hmm. right? Compare this to Joseph when he was a, a slave and in an exile in Genesis 39 and verse 9, right? Uh, Potiphar's wife tries to sleep with Joseph and Joseph's like, no, nope, I won't do not it. That. Did yeah. get himself in trouble, right? But uh, again, he's going to honor God mm-hmm. first. And then even then, um, Esther marries Xerxes, right? Xerxes is pleased with her above all and takes her in as his queen. But her marrying a pagan violates God's law as well. Uh, Deuteronomy 7, 1 through 4. Particularly in verse 3, you shall not intermarry with them, giving your daughters to their sons or taking their daughters for your sons, for they would turn away your sons from following me to serve other gods. Again, she, by all, you know, intents and purposes, you know, you look at it, she, Esther kind of blew it in this chapter, chapter two, right? She's not doing the things that you would think somebody who is devoted to God would do. Right. Now, it is very easy for us sitting here to pass judgment on her, but this should cause us to look at our own selves, mm-hmm. right? Have you sold out to the culture? Tiffany already talked about the the culture of America and its emphasis on physical appearances, on wealth. How much money do you make? And what are the things you own, right? As that's your, that's what's considered valuable. And we, because honestly, we've all given in to some degree, just like Esther. The great thing is, as with us who are in Christ, God is patient and works with Esther, right? He's going to turn her into someone great. But it brings to mind Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. So throughout your daily living, what you're watching on TV, what you're, what you're reading, what you're looking at on your phone, different types of conversations that you're having with other individuals, everything that you see and you do, because we're constantly hit with Everything from every direction, the news, you know, what you see is what's going into your heart. And what's going into your heart is what you're going to bring out and give to the world. Right. As R.C. Sproul said, it can be difficult to know how to remain separate from the world and yet engaged with the world. But we should regularly examine our thoughts, motives, and actions to make sure we haven't become worldly people, but remain faithful servants of Christ. Now, this also being said, right, God still blesses Esther, right? She becomes queen out of 400 other women. I mean, what are the odds, right? Right. God is definitely at work here, as we see one of many, you know, coincidences Coincidences. in uh, Esther that actually points to God at work. Now, it, it is almost tempting, I think, for some people, right, to think, well, you know, 
maybe Esther is excused from her sin. Maybe I can be excused from my sin because God still uses mistakes to advance his will. That's the same thing we even talked about a little bit in Ruth. Mm -hmm. While it is encouraging to know that God can't be limited by our mistakes uh, or, or wrongdoing, it's important to remember that Esther is blessed not because of what she did, but because God wants to use her mm -hmm. to save his people. Mm -hmm. But it's in spite of her all her disobedience, right? She's not excused by it. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.10 teaches that we are all one day, even those of us who are in Christ, will all one day appear before the Father and still have to give an account of the things we did in this life. Mm -hmm. The last section of chapter 2 is verses 19 through 23. It's very brief. It's just a simple account of how Mordecai uh, just so happened to overhear a plot for, you know, to take the king's life. And he reports it to Esther. Esther reports it to the king. Who, and she also gives credit to Mordecai. It all gets recorded. The guilty parties are executed. But then the king forgets to honor Mordecai for saving his life. And again, just the fact that Mordecai just so happened to overhear it, that Mordecai, you know, reports it and that the king records it, but just so happens to forget to honor him then. He's not going to honor him until later. That all plays a part in this plan that God has. Mm -hmm. It's again, points to the theme for this whole book that we're looking at, right? God is invisibly at work through what really just seems to be coincidences. It makes me think of, he, we are in those moments of waiting. When God is working something in our lives mm -hmm. and we can't see it in that moment and we're just like, God, please help me get through this. Uh, whatever the circumstance may be, if you're waiting for a call back on a job or if you're waiting from news from your doctor or trying to buy a house, any anything, it's in his timing. And if it wasn't in his timing and in your own, you'll find out, just like we do in Esther, how terrible things could could turn out for you. But God loves you so much. He loves all of us so much. He wants your life to be, I mean, it's not going to be wonderful. I mean, you're going to have moments where you're struggling, but those are the moments where your faith comes into play the most, where you're looking to him because he's there and he loves you so much for you to just stop and take a breath and focus on him and what he has to say to you. It's in those moments of waiting where we grow where we find our love in him. And we're going to discover more of that in the next few chapters. And I'm excited. <laughs> yes. Again, so many things. Esther, Mordecai have no idea what God is doing. Doesn't look like God's at work at all. And yet, he is. Mm -hmm. And this book is very well written, right? And just how it gives you little things. So that does conclude our discussion on chapter two. We do have a few discussion questions now for you, uh, for your family, your small group, or for your own personal reflection. Number one, where do you find yourself in what God teaches and what the culture teaches? What steps can you take to submit to God rather than the culture? 
And then question two, do you currently find yourself in a moment of waiting? What promises of God can you reflect on for encouragement? Please join us next week as we examine Esther chapter three. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord has shown you the richness of his word.